Hello, good morning. How are you today? I hope you've had a very productive work week and a pleasant weekend so far. Do you know that you're the apple of God's eyes? The apple of the eye, you know, that black circle in your eye, the pupil. That's what the apple of the eye is called. Now, the scripture says that you, 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 special one listening, that you're the apple of God's eyes. That means that there's nothing that can happen to you without God's knowledge or approval. I mean, just opening your eyes wherever you are. Imagine a hand trying to poke into your pupil. What will you do? The first thing you do will be to shut your eyes, right? You either shut your eyes or you try to smack the hand away. Or even when dust tries to blow um, <clears throat> specks, I mean, when when the wind tries to blow specks into your eyes, you, you shut your eyes right away. So put yourself in that context, right? That is what you are in God's own eyes. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that happens to you that God is not aware of. So rest assured that you are special. You're God's baby boy or girl. I mean, God literally birthed you. <laughs> you know, when a, when a parent is expecting, especially mothers, when, mother, when mothers are expecting, even those who do not have so much, they try to prepare for the birth. You know, when you see them, they buy baby clothes, they buy a feeding bottle. And I'm sure that even back in the day, um, in traditional African society, mothers always prepared for the birth of their newborns that is exactly how god prepared for your creation that is exactly how god prepared for our birth into this world because he took his time he made sure that there was a conducive environment there was food to eat water to drink animals to hunt he took care of everything and then he he molded man and breathed life into him the same thing happens every day you know with every child that is born whether the child is born in vitro or born through uh, the regular reproductive uh, health process or through the medical process the same thing happens the same thing happened when you were born god prepared everything before he crafted you and brought you here so god is intentional about you and it doesn't matter what you're going through now. It doesn't matter what your circumstances may be like. I mean, it almost seems like the world is going crazy, right? <laughs> but God is our peace. Christ is our peace. You know, the way Christ was sleeping in the boats when it seemed like the boat was going to drown. And the disciples were like, what? <laughs> Master, how can you be sleeping when we're about to drown? That's the kind of peace God is giving to his children this season. You know, it seems like everything is going so berserk. The economy, world peace, climate, uh, all sorts of things. But God is our peace. And so today, we'll be sharing as the Spirit of God leads us from Mark chapter 5. Now, I read this scripture and God opened my eyes to so many lessons from this scripture in 2020 january 11 2020 to be precise 
and I remember writing them down. And today, by the grace of God, we'll be sharing these lessons and as many more as God will help us to learn. So it's a long read. Uh, It has 43 verses. I encourage you to read it. I'm also going to read it on this podcast and I will also share the lessons from these 43 verses as God has helped me to understand. And I'll also be happy to hear from you after this podcast session such other lessons as you distill from this chapter by the grace of God. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation and I like to read the New Living Translation because it's easy to understand but I also compare it with the King James Version which is um, regularly referred to as a traditional version for English language readers. So Mark chapter 5 and verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes. Now this is Jesus and his disciples. They, they were coming from somewhere and they arrived at the other side of the lake. If you read the previous chapters, you will see all that had transpired in Mark chapter 4 before Mark chapter 5. Now verse 2. Just as Jesus was climbing from the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit ran out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the tombs and could not be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and throughout the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the hills, screaming and hitting himself with stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. He ran to meet Jesus and fell down before him. He gave a terrible scream, shrieking, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For God's sake, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked, What is your name? And the spirit replied, Legion, because there are many of us here inside this man. Then the spirit begged him again and again not to send them into some distant place. Verse 11. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs. The spirits begged. <laughs> Can you imagine? They were begging, as in they were negotiating. <laughs> oh, Christ. Verse 13. Jesus gave them permission. So the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged into the steep hillside, into the lake, where they drowned. The herdsmen fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Everyone rushed out to see for themselves. 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, but they were frightened when they saw the man who had been demon-possessed, for he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Those who had seen what happened to the man and to the pigs told everyone about it, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Can you imagine? They saw someone that healed a problem, 
as in they healed 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 a man who had been suffering and rather than ask for christ to help them as well they told jesus to leave verse 18 when jesus got back into the boats the man who had been demon possessed begged to go too but jesus said no Go home to your family and tell them what wonderful things the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to tell everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. When Jesus went back across the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Now, Jesus had left that city where he had healed this demon-possessed man. And he had crossed to the other side of the lake. And when he got out of the boat, a large crowd came to meet him. Right? Verse 22. A leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell down before him pleading with him to heal his little daughter she's about to die he said in desperation please come and place your hands on her heal her so she can live now the scriptures says here that Jairus was the leader of the local synagogue that's what the scripture says in Mark chapter 5 verse 22 meaning that he was a highly religious man Meaning that he must have kept the tenets of um, the, the Jewish tradition and the Jewish religion. So he was probably well versed in, in the Torah and the word of God as was known to the Israelites at that time. And he recognized that Jesus could heal, right? But he believed that Jesus' healing powers would probably only manifest should Jesus come to his house and lay his hand on his child. So he was there asking Jesus to come to his house and lay hands on his child and heal his daughter so that she will not die. Let's continue from verse 24. So Jesus went with him and the crowd trunk behind. Now you see God would God would go as far as your faith wants to go. <laughs> Christ. Oh Lord, let me not jump into the lessons. Let's just finish reading the scriptures. 24. Jesus went with him and the crowd trunk behind. And there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors through... I'll take that again. 26. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and has spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, If I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? 31. 
his disciples said to him, All this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? <laughs> 32. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from Jairus's home with the message. Your daughter is dead. There's no need use. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus ignored their comments and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just trust me. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter and James and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion and the weeping and wailing. He went inside and spoke to the people. Why all this weeping and commotion? He asked. The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, <laughs> but he told them all to go outside. Then he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples, that's Peter, James, and John, into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Get up, little girl. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. Her parents were absolutely overwhelmed. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what had happened, and he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So that's the end of the reading. Now let us share some lessons from this passage. So like I said earlier, that there are three main stories in this chapter. Three main stories that we can draw lessons from. The first is a story from the demon-possessed man. In fact, you could even say four, or as many as possible. Because you have the story of the demon-possessed man. You have the story of the people in the area where this man was healed. You have the story of Jairus, a synagogue leader, a religious man. And then an ordinary woman who was sick, whose faith manifested something. Now, first, the demon-possessed man, whose name was not mentioned in the scriptures or at least not in this passage so you see that the demons saw jesus from afar even before jesus got there they saw him and they recognized him that he's the son of god sometimes eh, we as christians we think that the devil and his agents are are blind they can see some things that we can't see because they recognize god even from miles away when God is about to do something new in your life, eh, the devil and his agents, they know. And they immediately begin to try to make things. Have you ever had this experience? I remember when I was much younger in the faith. The day I, I, I really decide to pray, like the day I get on my knees and say, Lord, I'm praying to you, that's the day that everything will just seem to be turning upside down. I don't know if you've had that experience, but that was my experience when I was much younger. And I know that many Christians have this experience too. When you decide to do business the proper way, <laughs> that's when everything begins to feel like it's going under. But 
I'm here to encourage you today to persist. Persevere, do not give up. Because the devil has seen that you are about to change gears. You're about to you're about to move into a higher level of glory. So he tries to bring a lot of distractions. He's tried because this demon-possessed man, the moment, the moment the demons sighted Christ from afar, they recognized that he was the son of God. Now, even before Christ got there, he had already given them the command: leave this man, as in get out of this man. He had already given them that instruction. So they, 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 they let the man to start screaming, he was shouting, he was shrieking as the scriptures recorded. So there are times when you begin to go on a fast, you decide to um, look to God, you, began, you, you, you decide to hand over a situation to God, to trust God, to wait on God for a response. And it seems like everything is just going down. As in, it seems like things are just getting worse. What do you do? at those times my dear brother and sister my dear friend i encourage you to hold on to god because your salvation your deliverance is coming i thank god that the demons did not even leave lead the man to run away <laughs> but of course like our previous podcast on obedience right <laughs> You know that God is the head of all principalities and powers. So all these witchcraft and uh, demons and all sorts of things that they are talking about. God is the is the overall head. As we say in Nigeria, is the Ogapatapata. Like <laughs> he's the boss, he's the boss man on top. There is there is no they, he cannot give any instruction and they will not obey. You remember Job now? When 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 Job even had to go, I mean um, the devil had to go to God to take permission to even deal with Job. So, put it in context. For everything that happens to you, eh, God has granted permission. So, I learned this when I was um, doing my youth service in the north. I remember there was this man who taught a lesson in church, and he said that God is the is the sovereign head. He's the sovereign head of your life. So, if there's anything going wrong, he's the one you should go back to and ask God, please, what's what is the problem? Have I done something wrong? Please forgive me. Am I erring? Please correct me. Am I in trouble? Do I need deliverance? Please deliver me. Please help me. Because there is nothing that takes God unawares. Nothing takes God unawares. And it doesn't matter whether it's a political issue, a life issue, a matter with your business, your family, your social life, your economic, financial life. Everything that happens in your life, God is aware of it. So these these demons, they had to obey Christ when Christ said, leave this man. And they went to beg. (laughs) They went to beg. They led the man to Christ, to beg Christ that, please, let us not leave this area. Let us not leave this region. Because this region is very favorable. It's very favorable for us. So, please, don't send us out of this region. In fact, they even even scouted and said, okay, look at, there's a swine. There's a pack of swine there. There are many pigs there. Just send us to the pigs. We, we know that the pigs may drown, but no problem. We will still be in this region. Maybe we'll find a way to come out of the sea and come into another person. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine that? Just take a moment to think about that. 
they found the region to be conducive for them. Are you a conducive environment for the devil? Is your family, your life, your business, your country, your nation a conducive environment that even when the devil leaves one area, he wants to get into another part? That's a food for thought. And interestingly, Christ granted them their wish. Jesus allowed the demons to get into the pack of swine. He commanded them, in fact, enter the, enter the pigs, but leave this man. Leave this man alone and enter the pigs. Because there were many, there were, the, the scripture says that they said that their name is Legion because they, their name was Legion because there were many of them. Can you, can you imagine? There were many of them on, in the body of one man, just one man. And this man was in the cemetery. He was living there. He would scratch his body. He would do all sorts of things. I mean, I don't know if you have seen, um, people who are categorized as mad as in mad i i i i feel pity and there are all sorts of theories and conjectures as to what has led to their situation but only god in heaven knows put them in this man's context i i, I within the region where i live there's a particular there's a particular area where you see a lot of mentally unsound people that's how they're classified in human terminologies and there's a particular bridge and i remember that at a certain period you see maybe two or three of them lying on that bridge facing the sky and the sun will be freakingly hot like on a very hot hot day they just lie facing the sky as if they are sunbathing and they're like christ have mercy because if a normal human being should try this he will land himself in the hospital the next day and they do this day in day out day in day out that is the kind of life this man was living in the land of the Ganesaris. He was in the cemetery. You know how uh, I'm sure that nobody would want to go to a cemetery in, in the in the in the night, not to talk of I mean in the daytime, not to talk of in the at night, you know, unless you have business there, like your loved one is buried there or you're going for a burial, you know. Nobody would on their own just want to go to a cemetery to just go and live, like set up a tent and be staying there. That was what this man was doing. And he was not just he was not just there. He was not just living there. He was destroying his body, crying and screaming, and everybody was afraid. Like he was popularly known for that. You know, just like when you look at certain situations today, everybody is afraid of that situation. It could be a place everybody just feels fear. They just want to get out of the place. Like scriptures help us to understand that there are demons responsible for those things and those demons recognize Christ when they see Christ and for as many 
as believe in Christ, Jesus has given them the authority to be called the sons and the daughters of God. So as light, because you are light, because you believe in Christ, you are the son and daughter of God, and God is light, so you are light. So wherever you are, these demonic agents ought to recognize that God is there and take they should take off. And if they have not recognized it, then what you need to do, what I need to do, is to align back with God, align back with Christ, so that we are in his image and his image is reflected in us and all principalities and power know that wherever we are there God is and they have no business being there because light and darkness have no relationship another lesson from this has to do with the people in the area now when they noticed that salvation had come how did they react rather than receive the Hey, deliverance. Oh, thank God. This man, we all knew him that he was in this situation. And now he's he's okay. Ah, master, please. We also have somebody else that has an infirmity. Or we have this other challenge. Or we have this other problem. They did not ask for anything. They just said, you know what? Because you destroyed our economic means of livelihood. Like 2,000 um, pigs had drowned. Please just leave us. You see, the situation in some areas... In some countries, in some families, in your life, in, in, in the lives of people, there are some people who are benefiting from the pain that other people are going through. And they will not want to see freedom or deliverance come to those people, unfortunately. They may not be the cause of the pain. Like these people were not the ones possessing this man. You know, they were not the demons responsible for this man's predicaments. But because the man's healing had affected them negatively, they did not want whatever it was that was responsible for that healing to stay in their territory. So they, I, I, I believe they, they, they probably had a very wicked evil mindset and that's why the demon said this area is our area we want to stay here <laughs> we want to stay in this territory because we like these people we like the people in this area the people in this area they understand us they are like us so please let us continue to have dealings in this in this region so lord jesus son of god please eh <laughs> We'll leave this man, but please let us stay in this region. Because this region, eh, the people in this place, we like them a lot. And the people just manifested, you know, that they actually deserved for those demons to remain in their territory because they asked Christ to leave. Rather than praying to God, rather than asking Christ to deliver the land completely, so that those kind of impure spirits, I mean impure spirits, will never penetrate into their land again. They say, you know what? These pigs that have died now, eh, is enough sacrifice for this man's uh, deliverance. So just be going. And all the other problems we have, we'll, we'll take care of them. We'll keep them. We'll, we'll continue to live with these problems. So now back to you and me. 
if Christ begins, if Christ steps into your life and my life to change that situation that you've been crying about, what are you willing to give up? What sacrifice is too big for you to pay for Christ to come into your life and deliver you? And this applies to both Christians and non-Christians alike. What are you willing? What is too much? What is too much a price for you to pay for your deliverance? Because these people, 2,000 pigs was too much a price for them to pay for the deliverance of the city. Because I'm sure that if they had asked Christ to stay and help them, Christ would have healed many more people and they probably would not have lost anything else. They probably would have even regained more than the 2,000 pigs that drowned. But being myopic and evil-hearted, I believe, I just believe that they were evil-hearted. They said, you know what, please, these are our problems we have here. We like it like that. Just leave, leave our territory for us. And Christ obeyed and he left. Now Christ boarded his, the boats. And when he, was, when he was entering the boats to go to the other side, the man ran to him and said, please, I want to follow you. But Christ said, no, don't follow me. Go and show those your friends that abandoned you. Go and show those people that thought that you would never come out of this problem. Go and show them how much healing God has brought into your life. Go and show your family that God has healed you. So what does this tell us? We should not be afraid of testifying about God's good works in our lives. Do not be afraid of testifying about God's good works in your life. People may not want to hear your testimony because of their fear or their selfishness, but you must continue to proclaim God's good works in your life. And it doesn't have to be something big. My dear, waking up today to see <laughs> to see a new day is a blessing in itself. Even the oxygen you're breathing today. I mean, COVID taught us, taught everyone how valuable oxygen is. A lot of people that died uh, of COVID was because of oxygen. Like they couldn't, they couldn't breathe. Oxygen could not get into their their lungs. So, in layman's terms, you could, you could literally say that they suffocated to death. And those who were hospitalized. A lot of them can tell you stories of how much money they spent. I have at least one friend whose father was hospitalized and they spent over a million naira in less than one week and the man still passed on. He still died. Over a million naira on, on just... In fact, he was placed on oxygen for maybe less than two days old because he was first hospitalized was still trying to to breathe before they, they 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 finally put him on oxygen and he passed on from there so in less than two less than two days they had burnt that kind of money because she was saying to me that they had just sent the money to pay for the bill for for that uh, oxygen and the hospital still worked the money the hospital still collected the money you know and still asked for money for mug So the fact that you are breathing today is enough testimony 
And if God has allowed you to see today, he definitely does have a plan for you. Now, the third lesson. So we've talked about the demon-possessed man. We've talked about lessons from the people in that region. Now, lessons from the ruler of the synagogue and the woman with the issue of blood. So the third and the fourth lesson. They are intertwined, sort of. So this man, eh, the ruler of the synagogue, I feel like his own his own <laughs> lessons from him are very, very apt for us as Christians. Very, very apt for us as Christians. Because first, he was a religious man. That's what the scriptures says it clearly in Mark chapter 5, verse 22. That he was the ruler of the synagogue, like your pastor. <laughs> so he was like the pastor, like the priests. The chief priest or whatever you want to call him in your whatever hierarchy or rank you give uh people in your religious setting whoever you regard as uh, the most uh, venerable or the most respectable person that is what this man was jairus and he recognized that jesus could heal his daughter he he had faith but his faith was not strong enough His faith was not strong enough. He only believed that Jesus could heal his daughter when Jesus comes to his house and lays his hand on his daughter, then the child will be healed. And for some of us, we're actually like that. Oh, this problem will not go away until I see this man of God. I have to go to the front and he will touch my head before this problem is sorted. saying that you should not go for those that go <laughs> i'm not saying you should not go and see man of god or woman of god or whatever or whoever you are seeing but learn from jairus jairus believed that the power of christ the power of god to heal his daughter was only limited to christ coming to his house and laying his hand on his daughter so he was a he was a religious person just like a christian now i'm speaking to christians he was a religious person just like you, a Christian. He believed in Jesus Christ just like you do. He believed that Jesus Christ could heal just like you believe. It's just that his level of faith was small. Are you limiting God in your life? Are you limiting the power of God in your life? Are you limiting the ability and capacity of what God can do in your life? What do you believe is the limit? You believe that... You cannot become a, a wealthy or self-sufficient to an extent. Financially, it's not self-sufficient because nobody is self-sufficient. Everybody is dependent on that person. You believe that you cannot be financially stable unless you you hammer, unless you have a connection. That's that's how they say it. <laughs> Who do you know in in Nigeria where I live? Say, oh, you, you need to know somebody up there. But you forget that you know God and God knows you and God controls everything. The word of God says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You believe that you only have to meet this uh, lecturer for the lecturer to, you know, be friendly with you, to help you uh, uh, understand something, to get a particular grade. 
you haven't even thought about reading yourself or you have read and you haven't thought about asking God to help you to understand what you've read and to help you to remember what you've read and to help you to understand the questions in the exam. I think you limit God's power to human beings. Of course, God is going to use men a lot of the times. He's going to use women. He's going to use humans. He's going to use things here on earth to help us. But let us not box him up. Let us not say, God, you have to do this for me like this. So that is that is where Jairus was at that time. And interestingly, there was this religious man called Jairus. And then there was this woman who we did not even know whether she was um, diligent in keeping the laws of Moses, whether she was, you know, spiritually compliant. The Bible only tells us that this woman had been bleeding for a number of years. And she had seen a lot of doctors and none of them could help her. And she had spent all the money that she had in seeing doctors to the extent that she had nothing more. So in her pain, when she saw Christ, she heard that Christ was there. Now, as a woman, I know what it means to be in that period when, you know, as they say, the woman is in her flow which is even just for a few days. I cannot for the life of me even begin to imagine what it would feel like to go through what this woman had gone through for many years. I think the scriptures even tells us how many years she had, she had, um, she had gone through this. Twelve years. And interestingly, Jairus' daughter was also 12 years. The daughter that was sick. (laughs) So, in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, the Bible says, And there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus. I don't even want to begin to imagine what that looks like. She must have been pale and sickly. She must have been in pain and dizzy. Of course, she must have stunk. But she decided to put all that aside. She said, today is the day I will get my healing. And I don't even need to see, as I don't even need this man to recognize that I'm here. I don't even need Christ to know that I am here. All I need is just to find a way to touch the hem. You know the hem of a, of a person's dress? the edge all i need is just to touch maybe it's just one thread from from the from the uh from the dress from the garment i just need to touch the hem of his garment and i know that i'm i will be healed that was her faith and through her pain she struggled in her pain and she went forward among the multitude and she touched the helm of christ's garments And immediately she touched the hem of Jesus' clothes. She was healed. And Jesus recognized that something had happened and he wanted her to come forward and testify. It's not like Christ did not know that she was the one. You know, there are times when God does something for you and he's waiting. Okay, 
Are you going to tell people about this? Are you going to let people know that this is what the Father has done? Are you going to take the glory or allow somebody else to take the glory? Because he actually waited for her to come out. I'm sure he could have just turned and said, Woman, you touched me, you are healed. Go with your healing and, you know, it will not come back again. But he wanted her to self-confess it. You see, the power of words, by the grace of God, one of these days we will talk about words and their power. Because God is very intentional. He created us, you know, to be like him. And the word of God tells us from the book of Genesis 1 that God created the earth and everything in it. He created the entire universe with his, with his words. And that's why he says he hates a lying tongue. Because if you are a, a person who is lying, and it's not like, I'm sure many of us, almost all of us, might have told lies at one point or the other of our lives. But are, are we going to continue like that? We can't continue like that because our words are as powerful as the words of, of, of God, the Father, are powerful. Because he, he made us look like him. That's why he says his words can never come back to him void. Once he says something, it is done. Once he says something, that's the way it is. Unless he decides to change it. He cannot say something and that thing will say it will not happen. Unless God decides to change it. And that's why even in the New Testament, we learn from the book of, I believe it's James, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. So, back to this uh, study. So, Christ wanted this woman to confess that she had received this healing through her faith. She had touched the garment and had received this healing so that God would be glorified, so that everybody would know that Jairus... <laughs> wants me to come to his house and lay hand on his daughter but i'm even capable of right here right now sending the word or just thinking it and this child is healed because there's somebody here who has suffered for 12 years and she only needed to touch the hem of my garment even without my my permission even without me knowing she just needed to touch the hem of her garment and a problem of 12 years was extinguished a problem of 12 years was changed it was it was it was deleted it was eliminated completely erased and she was healed so we shouldn't look down on anybody and you know as christians most times we are often tempted Oh, this person is not holy enough to pray for me. Oh, this person is not good enough to... <laughs> and that reminds me, I'm sorry I'm really digressing a lot today as the Spirit of God leads. I remember there was a day in the office. Somebody said to me, because I'm really very playful, I'm jolly, and whenever I get free time, I like to socialize in my office space. I mean, you spend more time in the office than you, you, you do. You spend more time working than you ordinarily do um, elsewhere, you know, it, uh, five at least five days a week you are in the office space, and even when you're at home, remember you spend at least six to seven, eight hours of your time at home sleeping. So you spend more time with your colleagues, and you should, as much as possible, try to um, have a cordial relationship with your colleagues, with your um, business partners, with the people within your regular place of business. You know, 
because you spend more time there you should be able to relax when you're there it helps you to think better it helps your creativity and the world of work now is more about collaboration so if you're not able to collaborate with people it's more difficult to get things done efficiently and effectively so on this particular day i was so excited and i went out of my um my office space into another office space and i was just happy and then somebody said i walked into a conversation i wasn't part of it at the beginning but somebody was uh, having a conversation and that person had said ah can you imagine what will happen if at the end of life we now discover that there's no heaven and no hell <laughs> and i said what i will not agree <laughs> i said i said i will not agree and um another colleague walked in and said you will not agree why why will you not agree and um i can't remember what else he said but i, th- I think he said something like what will you do <laughs> if god says okay i've decided to forgive everybody and there's no heaven no hell everybody just continue let's all go to one happy place together everybody i just said hmm i will not believe it number one <laughs> because god has said this is the way to be i believe that the way god has said it that's the way it's going to be so i will still ask please show me the place as the word of god says and i i pray that my own place is heaven so please show me the heaven that i'm going to as reward as god has said that was that was my response on that day and then I went back home and I kept on thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more clear it was to me that I gave a very selfish response, you know, just like the prodigal son and the elder brother. You know, God is the creator of all, and he has the absolute rights, the complete rights to say, you know what? this business of hell and heaven i want to put an end to it i want to sanctify all of you and i want all my creations all my children everyone i've given breath everyone i've created in my image i want all of you to now be holy like i'm holy like command holiness on everybody and we all make it to heaven whether the person was uh, an armed robber here an evil person or whatever including you that was a saints or priest or whatever god has the absolute right to do that and if he does that's fine that's that's okay and guess what i will still lose nothing i will still lose nothing because i know that living here on earth according to his words is not a burden for me it's not i mean people make christianity seem like it's such a burdensome religion you know like ah you have to live your life in 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 fear and trepidation like you have to be shaking oh you don't some say don't apply nail polish if you apply nail polish you're going to hell or oh, don't wear trousers if you wear trousers you're going to hell or oh, if you are praying to god without tying scarf god is not going to listen i mean i don't know today is not the day for me to explore all of that with you but i want to believe that god is not petty his word is clear he commands obedience and his god he's loving he's kind 
and we will not mess up just because he has grace. And at the same time, he has the power to do anything. And because he does it, that thing is holy, is righteous. So, I digress when we're talking about testifying. As we speak it, so shall it be. As we speak it, so shall it be. Whatever situation it is in your life, confess it. You know, and even when God has done something, please testify. Let him be glorified. So this woman came forward and she spoke. And she said what she had done. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. You know? So we shouldn't be afraid to come forward. And maybe in your church, they don't test, they don't do testimony, but you can tell somebody. It doesn't have to be, I don't believe that it just has to be only in church that you give testimonies. You can tell somebody. You can tell somebody. It could even be a situation where you meet somebody else that has that same situation or a near similar situation as what God has delivered you from. You tell the person how God helped you and encourage that person to latch onto your, 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 your own testimony as a stepping stone of faith towards achieving their own testimony and their request to God. So let us not be afraid to tell people uh, what God has done for us. Let us not be afraid to celebrate God before people. So now back to Jairus, right? Now, as this woman was giving her own testimony, I should say, hey, Lord, this is what happened. I just touched the hem of your of your, your garment like this and this blood just stopped seizing and I've been suffering from this thing I've been to so many doctors oh I've spent a lot of money and as she was just saying this and Christ said oh my daughter no problem you are healed go with your healing this thing will never come back to you again some people now came to Jairus and said hmm, Oga this is your daughter <laughs> that you came to ask master to come and heal you, the girl is dead though so please don't disturb the master again. Just come and prepare our body for burial. And when they were telling Jairus this, Jesus did not pay attention. You know, sometimes a situation may seem like it has gone beyond. <laughs> oh God, the Nigerian in me is really coming out today. And some people will say, in Igbo language, we say, how can you go be careful? <laughs> That a situation has gone beyond caution. Like, you know that this one, there is almost like there is no remedy anymore. Like, you just need to get ready to deal with the consequence because this one is beyond remedy. It's beyond solution. Somebody is sick in the hospital and they come and tell you that, oh, the person is dead, though. Are you still going to be calling a surgeon to come from America to come and operate on the person? It's, it sounds funny, but it's not funny. You want to call your pastor to come and pray for your child that is ill. And while you're in the pastor's house, in fact, they didn't even call you with phone. They just came and said, Oga, madam, 
this child is no longer living up. I used to go and say, Pastor, please, let's still go and pray for the body to wake up. You, even if you do that, uh, oftentimes, as human beings, we'll do that half-heartedly. Like, just in case God would listen. Just in case God would listen. Or in your business, it seems like things have gone under. Oh, that ship that was bringing your goods from wherever, it's capsized. The containers are underwater. Meanwhile, you wanted to uh, you wanted to sign a contract to sell those same goods to somebody. Will you still sign the dotted lines of the contract and say, "I don't know how God is going to do it, but He's going to get these goods back for me to perform my obligations in this contract"? It seems like a very tough thing to the human mind. But the word of God tells us that when they were saying all this, Christ did not listen to them. Christ told Jairus, you know what, let's go to your house. Forget all these people. And he had the crowd, the multitude following him. Remember, he had 12 disciples or 12 apostles. But out of the 12, he knew that there were some that were more spiritually sound than others. So he took those three people, Peter, James, and John. He took the three of them and he said, the rest of you, you just stay here. This is a matter that requires people whose faith could be able to handle it. So Peter, James, John, follow me. Let's go with Jairus to his daughter's house. Um, to, to Jairus's house to see the daughter. And when they got there, they saw people crying. They were wailing, you know. The situation was like, oh, it's just like the way things are. Okay, let me use my country, Nigeria, as an example. Where we are now is like we are at the brink of a precipice. And the the word you keep hearing now is Japa, like run. But the question I ask is run to where? Where are you running to? Where are you running to? Because your house is on fire and you are running away. There's some who say, hey, you run so you leave to fight another day. I won't even say much about that now. But in this situation, in Mark 5, the girl was dead and the people were crying. And then Christ came and he said, Ah, don't worry, she's only sleeping. And they started laughing. Just like when you tell people now, Oh, don't worry, Nigeria will be good again. And they will just say, hmm, Are you dreaming? <laughs> if you know how you will just find your way out of this place and check out, just, just, just get going because this way I say it to be good again I don't understand if God was able to bring a dead girl back to life what do you think God cannot do in your own life what do you think is impossible for Christ to do in your life in your nation in your business in your family What do you think is impossible for Christ to do? What do you think is impossible for God to do? Nothing. The scriptures tell us that nothing is impossible for God. That with God, all things are possible. But Christ only took those that he knew that their faith could handle, could handle what he was about to do.
So you see, uh, I'll just read a few words from the notes that I had written some years ago. It says, as Jesus was speaking with the woman, news came that Jairus' daughter had died. The people asked Jairus not to trouble Jesus because his daughter was already dead. This demonstrates the weakness of the people's faith. They did not believe that God could heal, could raise the daughter back to life. Sometimes when you are seeking help from God, people will try to discourage you. You know, these people may not know God well enough. They may not understand your relationship with God and they will try to discourage you. Focus, focus on Christ, focus on God. Also, Jesus took only Peter, James, and John. He took only the people that he knew that they could handle the miracle he was about to perform. It's not everybody you bring into your prayers. It's not everybody you invite into your situation. There are some people who will not be able to handle the, the level of prayers you need to make to get to where God is taking you to. So if Christ himself could sift and decipher, and decipher to say, okay, these are the ones I'm taking into this room where I will heal this child. You should also be able to, 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 to decipher who and who you are bringing into your situation. God's power is limitless. God's power is limitless. Only my faith, only your faith can restrain it from working in my life or your life. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for all of us is that God would help us to have full and complete faith in him. That God will help us to silence the noise and the distraction and the unbelieving voices around us so we can focus and fully receive all that he has for us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May God bless you. May God grant you a very rewarding week. And may his plans for you be made manifest in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Take care. Bye.